Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by financial ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Hello and welcome, everyone. Welcome to the China Shop. You've made it to another awesome episode. We got some exciting guests with us here today. I'm Shopkeeper Dan. With me is Kyle, creator of FinancialNeptitude.com. How are you doing today, Kyle? I, this might be too too much information. I ate some salt and vinegar chips on Friday, and I still feel like my mouth is recovering. Oh wow! Oh, gross. Oh, <laughs> I have brushed my teeth. If that's what you're, <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're getting. <laughs> I have a story about that. Yeah. Who who is that? I hear in the background. We are joined today once again by Flary and Leo from Orderflow Labs. How are you guys doing? I definitely want to hear your salt and vinegar story. Well, the other day, my wife went to Jimmy John's and got us like sandwiches and chips, you know, and she ate, you know, whatever she ate. And then she left to go do something. And her bag of chips was sitting on the counter. And I was like, oh, I'll just have a snack, you know, like, hey, there's some uh, half eaten bag of chips, you know, that's a good snack or whatever. Always love eating my wife's leftover. Food. Exactly. <laughs> when she's not looking. Yeah. I mean, you got, if you're a dude and you can't relate to that, then I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so I grabbed the bag and I'm just like mindlessly, you know, eating a few and I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck, what the fuck is this? <laughs> so so I, I washed my mouth out with Red Bull and uh, cleaned it up. But yeah, I, I can't stand salt and vinegar chips. I, how did you manage to get through more than one? Uh, it, it, it took like, I don't know. I, gra I just grabbed a small like handful and it took like, I don't know, 15 seconds of chewing before I realized what the hell happened. And so I look at the label and I'm like, oh God, the fuck? who eats that? I was a slow learner, I guess. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, man, I used to, I knew a guy that used to make his own like uh, salt and vinegar Fritos. Like, oh, those were. Just looked god awful. Disgusting. Take that, vinegar fans. <laughs> <laughs> hey, anyway, 
<laughs> what have you guys been up to other than stealing your wife's chips? <laughs> well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> right. What have I been up to? I'm trading, um, doing other cool shit with order flow labs, which I guess we'll get into that. And uh, this weekend, I spent a boatload of time doing uh, chores that my wife asked me to do. Because mm, mm, you ate her chips. She yeah, made two chips around the house. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. It's been very productive. What are you making of the, the markets today? I, just talking with Flurry before you jumped in about, uh, you know, the volume just seems to be dropping every day on the uh, the SBY just makes it hard to believe in this this latest bull rally volume relative to the previous volume and the big you know sell off we've seen yeah i think that's normal in some fashion once all of the volatility has washed out oh because you know volume or volatility brings on more participants right right and so once the volatility kind of chills out, which is what we've seen, mm-hmm. then the less participation you're going to get, you know, on a larger scale, because not everyone is having to get in there. This is theory. I'm not a fucking institutional trader, but <laughs> theoretically, the larger institutional guys don't need to get in there and defend or, you know, whatever they're doing as much. So kind of like they've already gone long and now they're just waiting to sell. You know, they're just, the positioning is in. Mm-hmm. And so most of the volume is, you know, enter a day and just other normal, you know, money, uh, market maker shit that happens. That's a much better theory than mine, which was that they're all drunk on a beach in Florida. <laughs> or I mean, I like that too. <laughs> hey, both theories can be true. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do institutional traders go on spring break? That was... <laughs> Larry said he was on vacation, so maybe. Uh, I, I think mean, like I was still cell market... phone trading. Don't don't tell my wife. Just <laughs> <laughs> sneak it in. We caught one trade that paid for the vacation, so I showed her. And, <laughs> oh yeah, caught, caught, caught a runner that paid for the vacation. So, so then it was it was somewhat forgiven. But yeah, there was uh, some like sneaking down to the garage at the uh, VRBO to make. <laughs> oh my god! Daily trades in. <laughs> Do it on your phone. I tried to trade on my phone. I always fuck up my orders. Oh, man. In fact, that's actually become a cardinal rule in my office. No, <laughs> no trading on your cell phone. You know, in the summer times uh, on the boat, it, it, it comes in handy. It comes in handy. Yeah. I've been noticing that you guys have been playing poker lately. I was kind of curious who <laughs> who the champion of that this group is. Oh, man. I mean, statistically speaking, it's me. I saw you won the first one. I wasn't sure who won the next couple. Leo, Leo's on a rebid. Yeah, I had a I had a, a one big blind comeback uh, in in our tournament uh, the other the other week, and then uh, came in came in flying on our cash game last weekend, and then I ran pocket aces into Leo's two pair king queen on the turn, and uh, that was that was the end of that run. A couple buy ins later, <laughs> apparently I bought Leo's wife's sandwich. <laughs> and salt and vinegar <laughs> chips. <Jeez. laughs> I thought about jumping in and joining your guys' group, but I know that I think that poker probably has one of the best uh, as far as like cross skills to go with trading that it just scares me. I don't want to sit in a room full of sharks. <laughs> played a few a, played a few times in my day. Well, I mean you got bankroll management, you got probabilities and statistics, knowing when to cut losers and when to push and add to your, you know, when you got good hands. Like it just seems like a lot of those skills are kind of similar. 
Yeah, find an edge, exploit. I agree. <laughs> Which I think is Leo's Leo's expertise. Yeah. It sounds like Leo's edge is <laughs> over the, start a Discord, invite them to play poker. <laughs> <laughs> play play hyper aggressive. <laughs> Do you play hyper aggressive? That's my style too. I pick my spots. Yeah, but when I'm playing, I like especially get heads up. Like I just start trying to push around. If I have a chip lead, I'm just going to lean on it. How's the um, how's the liquidity zones challenge been going, Flurry? I've been watching some of the uh, the YouTube streams that you've been doing. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's been really good. Um, I, you know the the uh, the challenge. I think let's see. I got three in today, and I think we had eight left. So um, we'll probably live stream um, when this airs. It'll be tomorrow, but. Um, or it'll already be done, but uh, we've got about five trades left. So the goal was to get to a hundred trades and just to, you know, kind of do something that was one part small account challenge and just one part like understanding how you can take a bracket, a simple bracket, an area of interest, which obviously the liquidity zones just sort of print um, with the studies and their areas of interest, and then, you know, sort of throw the discretionary piece out the window and then just see if using a, a proper risk reward strategy in an area that um, has a win rate that that aligns with that risk reward strategy can just sort of print, you know, slowly. Mm-hmm. The the bracket is underperforming. Uh, it, it's just a it's a two lot uh, MNQ is what we're doing with the take profit one at thirty points and the stops at fifteen. So. Mm-hmm. Then a trail kicks in at 50. And so essentially, if I were to be all in, all out, every trade is a two to one is, is kind of the idea. Right. And over the 90-ish trade, somewhere about just over halfway started underperforming to the uh, all in, all out strategy. So do a review at the end of it, but definitely the bracket um, as designed uh, underperformed uh, from an expectancy perspective. But uh, overall, mm-hmm. it's been good as far as like, did we make points or not? Uh, so that, that part's been good, but it's just kind of been a cool learning. And I, I was mentioning this the other day when we were streaming, like it, it's been really good practice for me to just learn uh, to sit patiently mm. when you get your entry um you know obviously this is um you know if i'm flat i just jump in the trade uh kind of thing or if i'm logged into the account uh to our ofl account to to do the challenge right but for my own personal trading too just like learning to sit patiently and know that i have a target uh whether it's just a, a straight uh risk reward based target like i want to see this expectancy uh if i'm going to put on this amount of risk but even like the like hey you know i want to target overnight high here and and not robbing myself of like the oh there's a little a little pullback just before overnight high and then you know you get out and maybe you give you know you're out five points before overnight high it pulls back and then it ends up hitting um so it's been really good from a patient's perspective even for me and my personal trade so it's, it's been fun to do. That's interesting. That's one of the main problems I think that I have is not being able to, to run well, or at least I get way too aggressive with my stops when I'm trying to trail them. Yeah. Yeah. And that like, that's like, it's so funny. I've, I mentioned this a few times. Like I, I probably sweat those uh, challenge trades so much harder than, than like trading my personal account. Well, yeah, it's out in the open. Everyone can see it. Right. Well, I mean that, so that's a whole dynamic too. So, I mean, to, to the people that do, um, you know, execute trades live, it, it's just such a different mental game mm-hmm. that just kind of messes with you it, in a way that's completely different than already trading is difficult but but even with the bracket like one of the rules is i just don't move it and um there's been some funny conversations right. even leo the other day when we were doing it, it was like oh i can't believe that like i would be taking right here because i i've had some that have come like within two or three ticks of you know like the take profit one right and gone all the way back against me and been a full stop because yep. one of the rules is just once once you're in you basically once a zone is created i click in at the front of the zone 
zone. And then I just let the bracket play out. Like there's, there's no manual discretion in, in it whatsoever. So it either wins or doesn't. And I mean, for everyone that's, you know, come a tick away from hitting a take profit, um, I've also had the saves, right? Like the absolute stick saves where like I, I've even had one along the way that, that went to the, to the stop loss. And then I just was in the back of the queue mm-hmm. and didn't get filled. And it went all the way to be like a 70 plus point trade total. So, you know, it's kind of funny to like sit and actually watch some of those things play out, like literally on hands. It really helps with the patience and just like letting a trade thesis play out, right? Like you, you've developed a trade thesis, you come up with a bracket. Um, you know, in this case, I, I think I would redesign the bracket and I'll, I'll put a summary out to our Twitter that, that kind of analyzes how the stats went and stuff like that. But, you know, and then you just kind of let it play out. So it, it, it's been good to kind of see that and to see both sides mm-hmm. of, of, you know, things that, you know, one, you would do to change that bracket or how you could optimize it or uh, two, just to kind of like learn and practice that patience of, you know, here's a trade thesis, here's here's a bracket or, you know, like a, a risk reward strategy that I've deployed based upon this trade thesis and letting it just kind of do its thing. And then just all the notes that you could create around, like, how would I, how would I filter this if I were going to be entering these uh, with some discretion? Because obviously you're not going to take every right. single zone and things like that. That's just kind of like part of the challenge piece. But even some of the notes that I've picked up on that. Sorry, that's the part I'm most curious about is which ones would you have? Because there's been a few times where I'm watching, I'm like, oh man, if you could only just cut it right here. <laughs> coming up on the zone that like you know this is going to be a spot that you're going to trim right and you have to sit through it and like ah i feel antsy for you on those ones <laughs> i feel like it's um so when when the zones are created at the like high of the day or the low of the day mm-hmm. those are definitely ones that I, I think are lower probability for sure just because of the you know obviously the you know if the low gets taken out uh, and your stop is just past the low which typically in, uh, if there's a zone created there it will be just above the high or just above the low right those are tough spots too because it, likely what will happen if that zone or that area does sort of hold but it doesn't hold the bracket is it'll pop up it'll stop run and there's my mechanical right. stop right that i'm not going to move and then it'll stop me out and then go the direction and then take off right and so if i was discretionary trading like that would be one of those zones especially at the highs or lows where i would sort of wait for a move similar to that and and potentially enter based upon like other tools or order flow if there was a stop run then hop back in or even like if you get stopped out and you see what you want to see from a reversal perspective just to hop right back in so that's for sure one um the highs and lows ones and and then the other like huge nuance that I picked up on pretty early on was you really want to see an impulsive move into these zones versus sort of like a lingering like series of um, like higher highs, uh, lower lows or higher lows into your zone that are less than your take profit one. So in, in the challenge, I'm using a 30 point take profit one. And if that impulsive move is less than 30 points into that zone, the probability shrinks dramatically. Really, And so seeing sort of that, like I call it an outside leg. But what you really want to see is sort of like a, a series of say, like cell rotations down and then an outside leg impulse move into a cell zone. And then you've got multiple things kind of going in your favor. You've got a larger leg or like a larger than a one standard deviation type move into your zone. Plus, if that if that reaction does happen the way we expect it to from one of those cell liquidity zones, the pullback to sort of like cover that leg, even if the buyers are going to sort of rebid it, mm-hmm. is significantly lower and in, in, in theory, hopefully outside of our take profit one. So 
So that was another big nuance to pick up on of, of seeing that move into the zone be larger than what my take profit one was dramatically increased the win rate of those. That's really interesting. I'm looking forward to reading that summary. Uh, and you're also just using the liquidity zone study on this, right? You're not, you don't have any of your other indicators up that are helping. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's as soon as a zone prints, if I'm flat coming into that zone, then I'll just put an order uh, with that bracket attached to it at the front of the zone. Um, so again, like that's another thing too, entering at the front of the zone at some of these lower probability or potential filter ones where you would just sort of wait to see sort of like tools confirm. Because at least for me and, and the style that I trade, again, it would be like an area of interest. And then I want to see the tools confirm from an order flow perspective of like, are we seeing this, this, this move potentially roll over or, you know, kind of uh, curl up and, you know, is price action confirming? And then finally, like, it, you know, the, the extremely low time frame. am I seeing some of those uh, cues that would, would have me enter? And so, yeah, with, without, without the discussion piece, it's, it's much easier to get in a trade, um, <laughs> but you certainly probably lower the win rate pretty significantly. And I think there's some re- really simple things you could do to just uh, increase that win rate, let alone, um, we'll put something together on the bracket, but I think the bracket was probably a little too tight. And, that, and when we started, the volatility was a little bit more um, compressed than it is now. And, and in about the middle of it, uh, it expanded pretty dramatically which was good for a few runners. Uh, we caught a couple of 100 plus point ones, but pretty tough now as like the, when the trail kicks in, the stop is just 10 points behind it. So you, you see it kind of hit and, and sort of take out uh, the, the trail even uh, is probably underperforming a little bit. So yeah, um, it's pretty cool. And, it, and it's, you know, it's a small sample size, obviously only 100 trades, but uh, it, it's just a good, it's a good practice, right? To, to have a trade thesis, uh, even one as simple as this, right? Like it's just a zone that's mm-hmm. detected from our studies and then develop a bracket that we think will be, you know, positive expectancy and then go, you know, analyze how you did over a series of trades. And, you know, in this case, it's going to end up being a positive, you know, points wise or dollars wise. But uh, even if it wasn't, I think just like the exercise of going through that, trying to develop a setup that works uh, is something that all traders should really be doing um, to develop an edge. So uh, this can either Flurry or Leo can answer this one, but using the liquidity zones, then which of the tools would you like to have on your chart book to be able to, to properly quantify the entries and exits and get the best use out of this? this new tool? I'll go first. Um, yeah, so for sure, um, I, I want to see an exhaustive move into the zone. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it would be like probably a combination of the better delta and the EAD study, which is an exhaustion absorption detector. So the combination of those two pushing into a zone, seeing sort of like positive delta uh, push into the zone, and then that reversal would be the main thing. Because uh, again, you like for the majority of the trades that really really work um, that are just like pure reversal type trades where you're kind of fading a move. Mm -hmm. You really want to see that exhaustive push into an area. And for this area, which, which, if you think about where these zones are created, they're created in an area where, you know, there was aggressive buying into the highs that was either soaked by just a passive seller or just an aggressive pocket of sellers that came in and sort of just reversed the market in that area. Right. And so, you know, whether they're trapped or not, if it's a liquidity zone, whatever you want to call it, either way, this is sort of like an area where where we have action in a reversal that's already happened. And so 
we're kind of on the edge of where that reversal or that back test would come to. And, and that's that's kind of the interesting thing about these zones is that you're you're typically, in, and probably why the ones that at the high and low of the day or, or the high and the low of the move can be lower probability is that you're, you're trading on that edge. And so if you don't see mm-hmm. that exhaustive push kind of into the edge and then that rollover and, and the tools to kind of confirm that, uh, you know, it's it's got a high probability of, of getting traded through. And the interesting thing is that, you know, you can kind of trade them both ways too, right? So if, if a that zone was, like yes. that gets popped, <laughs> it, it could be a big sign that like, okay, we've gotten through an area that was previous resistance. And now obviously resistance turns into support or vice versa. I think, Dan, you were working on a, a bot before you took your step back. Um, yeah. What was the, the tool you were using? Oh, so what I was doing is I was taking the dominator and the exhaustion absorption detector. And I was playing with entries either agreeing with the detector like okay if both these detectors agree or if one of them like one at a time i think the best one was just the dominance detector alone uh, but, uh, but if it w- if it could if, if if the price was over the signal within within a couple bars later of the of a signal then i would go long uh and then i tested it the other way where it was like if we had a dominant signal and it's now the next bar or two and we're below it short it and for the last set of contracts it went pretty well but uh uh, i couldn't i couldn't get that particular bot to work more more than just the past year when i when i did anything further back even even adjust trying to adjust my brackets for in in, quote unquote inflation uh for for the changing i was going to say that brings up a good question about uh the back testing like what do you guys do back testing with the sierra charts um like try to set up an automatic strategy and then let a bot go through and run through the pre- previous year. Uh, if you do, then like what kind of time frames do you find most effective with that? So the Sierra chart certainly they have like their trade study or trade study based on alert condition, which you know can can reference uh, what they call SGs or, or subgraphs. And yes, those can be um, good. Uh, they're not a hundred percent as far as like accuracy or like all the conditions and things that that could potentially come up. I think you guys have probably run into some things like that. I've noticed that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I, I think obviously having somebody who can help write a script uh, is is definitely the more preferred way to go. We've run just, you know, in our own personal like lab sessions, we've run things like dominator firing within proximity of of the Joe pivot or dominator firing within proximity of VWAP and things like that to try to see what expected moves are around those areas. So we, yes, we've done some back testing in that realm. Is the, you know, specifically the Sierra charts uh, study that they have available just to kind of identify an SG, the absolute best way to go. I think it can give you an idea if you're on the right track track uh, of a trade mm-hmm. thesis but um, I think ultimately you kind of got to get into that like writing a script um, to be very specific type thing and and then to be able to you know kind of quickly look at multiple months a year of data but you know I mean that kind of like to the question around the liquidity zones or, or whatever, for, for me, I think, it, like you mentioned, like if you see it, if you see it get kind of pushed through or like, let's say one of the execution tools, as we would call it, uh, sort of fail, right? So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the study is showing you a condition that was met. Like if, if, yeah, the, yeah. if the shape or the whatever, you know, I mean, if it, like, so they, they were there just yeah. because the sellers were there and it didn't, it didn't go doesn't mean that they weren't there. And so that information can be used in a, in a bunch of different right. ways to your point of like, you know, I like the track that you were on of like, if I saw it go X number, 
number of points away or or say it like it went in your favor and then pulled back and put in a lower high you know that kind of like confirmation risk style trade is is one of my favorite things to do of like i've got an area of interest and and usually mine are a little bit wider depending on the zone but let's say it's like a 20 or 30 point zone where i'd like to potentially see a reversal whether it's a buy or sell reversal and then i see the tools start to confirm i can kind of see the sellers coming in and then you see the price action kind of putting in that lower high that can be kind of like the a plus version of that where you're where you're seeing sort of the tools confirm an area that you want versus just like yeah and and listen sometimes that can work right like it, the the buy tool fires and it just reverses instantly at the buy tool that certainly happens but for me i I like to see that combination of price action, the tools confirm, and my area of interest before really just kind of getting into an area. And I mean, you can scale into a zone as you're starting to see some of those things scale out and kind of recycle positions. There's a bunch of things you can do there, but just kind of like blindly following um, an execution <laughs> tool is something I think we're, we're pretty... <laughs> we're pretty upfront about making sure that like that list, that's not a strategy. Although yeah, right, you, know, right, you can right, probably yeah. go back on a chart and find times where it was like the low of the day or whatever. Great. But it's just not, uh, it's not going to be a long-term thing that you want to be involved in of just like every time there's aggressive buying, just buying blindly. Oh yeah. 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 We did. I think we did try that just to see, just, just to as, see how as the works, baseline. But my, my whole logic was, <laughs> yeah. This is a this is a tool that I, I know is measuring a real thing. And I was having good success trading the DOM. I, I caught some good runs when I saw a big push fail. So it was like, all right, this tool is doing what it's supposed to do. Then my trading style would be to script this. And I added other things to qualify a trade. So it wasn't just blindly like, oh, nope, price moved above this point. Let's move. I, I found all of your tools to be to be wonderful things and and really did enjoy using them before before I stepped back for sure. No, I think yeah, the only thing I feel bad for is the people who aren't on Sierra charts because they won't have a chance to be able to use any of these. Well, that well, might be changing. I think, <laughs> I think we got an update oh. coming. Oh, really? <laughs> Leo? So a while back, like maybe two months after we launched on Sierra, we did a poll on Twitter and we asked people what they trade on. Mm -hmm. And Ninja Trader was number two, was number one um, out beside Sierra chart. And then Motive Wave was number two. Caveat to the number the number two thing thinker swim was actually number one but there's no chance we ever put anything on thinker swim oh really <laughs> really oh <laughs> yeah I, I don't think there's any chance we ever do anything like that just based on what i know but that being said we are launching on ninja trader officially our go live date is april the 8th Oh, that's exciting. So Friday. Friday, April the 8th. 8th. And that'll be, yes, this should come out on, what do we say? The 6th. So, all right, perfect. Yeah. So if you're listening. That sounds like an exclusive. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first in the shop, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. No more no more podcasts for these guys for at least two yeah. weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we went through a pretty in-depth process, too, because... You know, Ninja Trader coding is done in C sharp, which is not a skill that our uh, code, our expert coder Corey has. Mm. And so we hired a coder developer that could write in C sharp. Mm -hmm. And then obviously we went through that whole process of him getting everything up and running on Ninja, making sure everything worked within a within a reasonable expectation, right? Like 
all of these structural tools, the the like the buy sell zones, the pivots, like all of that stuff lines up perfectly. There's just there can be some deviations where an EAD might fire in Sierra, but it doesn't on Ninja or vice versa. Um, same thing with mm. the Dominator. Some of those, like in the moment, you know, we call them execution tools. You know, we may have one off here and there. So it, it's acceptable because there are different data feeds, right? Yeah, right. Sierra is using, we're using a Denali feed on Sierra. Um, obviously, with Ninja Trader, you're going to have, you know, CQG, Rhythmic. They have Kinetic, which is their data, data feed that has, we found the Kinetic data feed to be most. Um, in line with Denali, like pretty pretty much 100% accurate. So within a reasonable expectation of being acceptable, all the pivots are good, the buy sell zones are good, like everything is pretty much on the spot. You just have those one or two exceptions, the EAD or the dominator, which may you know may just not show up in one or the other um, on occasion. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking. They're pretty much firing in the same spots. Which one of you, which one of you two had to do the testing? <laughs> all of we've us. In, yeah, I was going to say we've all kind of been in the lab. Did you? So you had to go learn Ninja Trader after you've been using Sierra for yeah how many years? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. So we learned Ninja Trader, then we got everything up and running. And the good thing is, is obviously we've been you know running these tools forever, and so pretty familiar with how they should work in Sierra. Mm-hmm. And uh, having that made the whole Ninja Trader process a lot easier and it'll make the motorway process easy as well. You know, so from all that stuff, you know, it hasn't been too painful and we already have good chunk. Like, I think we have like 25 folks that are basically beta testing Ninja. Um, they've been doing it for about four weeks and we found some kinks and we pushed out new code. And so we're just making, we're going through those final pieces before we before we're going to claim that, you know, it's, it's officially ready for prime time. Yep. And then right after that, we will launch on motive wave, which we don't have a hard date on that yet, but most of the stuff is already coded on motive wave. We just have to get back in there and do all, all the performance, you know, make sure the performance is good and all that. How many signatures do I need to gather to get uh, thinkorswim? Just, just have no interest in, in think script. I don't know that the code can be protected well enough. Oh, right? that's right. Yeah. Okay. There's quite a few loopholes and I know people that have gotten stolen code from other people and you know, that's just not a, not a risk that we want to take. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Get get with the program, thinker swim. Got to got to protect that proprietary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, plus you cut out all your Canadian fans too. Which yeah. <laughs> for some reason, there seems to be a lot of them. A lot of futures traders in Canada. Yeah, there are. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if that's just George's influence over at yeah. <laughs> Trade Park Academy. Or what <laughs> Single-handedly raised a generation. That's right. He could be. Oh, uh, should we? Uh, should we move on to some listener questions? Yeah. 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 What do you guys have? All right. Uh, and these aren't really addressed to anyone in particular, so I think anyone could chime in when they want. I think we should let Leo maybe talk a little bit. <laughs> I'm tired of Flair talking to you guys. It's okay. <laughs> It's a, it's a reoccurring problem I have. <laughs> I'm just afraid Leo's sitting over there getting hungry and eyeing his wife's food while just sitting there. Let's see, let me start with, if you can define your edge, like what, what is it that gives you your edge in trading the NQs? What is it that gives my edge? I would say execution, definitely part of the biggest part of my edge. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is I, I've tweaked 
tweeted about this before, and I, I, I still think like people miss this part is you can have everything like you can get all your analysis right you can get all your levels done you have everything up and running if you don't know how to work your platform Mm -hmm. whatever you're on to the level of detail that like i don't you ever watch a dj you know spin you know on their table or whatever they know like every single knob every single thing that needs to be tweaked uh throughout the whatever they're mixing like the back of their hand and I think that gives you a huge advantage if you're in the middle of a trade or need to get in a trade and you're not fumbling around and you can switch between, you know, uh, contract, five contracts, 10 contracts, whatever that is, whatever that looks like, that you know your system well enough to be able to execute as quick as and as fast as you need to. Hmm. Because realistically, most of us that are trading futures are scalping, you know, the, the intraday uh, rotations, right? Like right. we're not holding a full position for a hundred points. So it's not like I just go, Oh, buy here. I'm full size. And I just hold it all day long. That would be great in theory, but it's just not how it works. Hmm. And so you have to be able to work your way around a position and, you know, all of the things that come along with that psychology and everything else, like everything you're seeing on the tape and, you know, the Dom and like all of that stuff, you have to be able to execute you know, what you're, what you're thinking and in the trades that you want to take. And if you're fumbling around and you don't know your system well enough, then you're going to miss out, you know, on points, you know, ticks, uh, it could be the difference. Like, you know, I, I said this before, if you, if you're too late on your entry based on, you know, where you see the trade, it could be the difference mm-hmm. between your stop, you know, being stopped out because you got a poor location and, you know, the take profit, you know, it's like, it's that close, in my opinion, to where if you're not able to nail your trade when it comes up and you're fumbling around and you don't know how to scale out, like you got to have all that worked out before you sit down and trade live. And so the biggest thing for me is on that standpoint is understanding your brackets, how to scale in, how to scale out, doing all working all of those kinks out in sim. Uh, first and and then you know before you step into a live uh, scenario and that's whether you're on any platform you have to have that dialed in and i I think that too many people don't um, just based on my conversations they don't have that down to a t to it's like they know it like the back of their hand when it comes to sierra charts i do not right (laughs) i've been in that situation where suddenly like lost a a bracket like half of my bracket and like just where'd it go i don't know but now i have no idea how to put another like half of the bracket back in so i just end up having to flatten a trade yeah exactly i know how to flatten i've gotten really good at that (laughs) 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 one of the things that i think what you're saying that i wonder if that would help too because one of the issues that i see a lot of newer traders having too is analysis paralysis uh and that's something that i struggle with a lot too where you're just kind of him hawing around like waiting for more and more and more confirmation before you finally just act like one of the things that we've been talking with some of the different guests that we've had is how to how to be able to switch roles basically like you have your your planner and your research you know role and then you have your executioner role the person who's just supposed to act and not think about it yeah i mean you you have to be you know, in the moment, you have to be pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, just like you said, you can't be planning and researching the middle of the trading session. Like all of that stuff 
should be reserved for after the market closes or before the market opens. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what you're doing in the in the in the moment, you're gonna see, like you said, you're gonna get you know wait for that confirmation, that confirmation, and then by the time you got all your you know your five stars that have aligned, no jokes on the Elliott wave in the moon phases, guys, but. <laughs> if you wait for all of that stuff to align then it's you know it's probably too late right right and so you have to be one have done your homework to be ready to act and then three turn off your intelligence out of your brain and just execute right market macro tactical uh friend of ours on twitter Mm -hmm. was kind of famous for the phrase you know see it hit it and I think it's really that simple. Like you see the trade opportunity, you hit it. And then you, your, your, your outcome uh, should be determined by your brackets, like your stop and your take profits, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever your scheme is or new information that tells you your trade's no good anymore. Right. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more that the, the, the concept to see it hit it too. And Leo nailed it too. And, and macro has been huge in, in helping with that psych, uh, psychology piece of trading. And I would have said a hundred percent, the same thing of you come into the market with an idea, right. And you have your trade thesis as your areas you want to do business. And when it gets there, if you're not ready from a platform perspective, if you're not ready from just like a trust in yourself, uh, perspective, you're already sort of behind. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think like to break down, see it hit it a little bit more, you know, in my conversations with Macro too, you know, he shared like, he's like, I would hear you on voice, you know, saying, I'm seeing this, like basically I'm talking through as we're coming into an area and he's already in the trade I'm talking about and I missed the trade I'm talking about. And, <laughs> you know, that was a big aha moment. And, you know, we, we had some side conversations and he was really helpful and just really helping me build confidence. Wow. And, you know, something that he said there really resonated of like, you know, you've got a process, right? And, and if you don't, you should get one mm-hmm. and implement it. Like I look at the same, you know, eight to 10 things every single day and I develop the same zones. And if, if those zones are working or not working, I filter them in or out based upon results. So you have a process, you need to trust that process. But then the next step is trusting yourself in that process. And when you enter an area where you think you're supposed to execute, are you able to execute? And then when you do execute correctly, that confidence that that can build for your trading, just like mindset is, is so huge. It, it's bigger than any mm-hmm. sort of edge you could develop really of like, oh, you know, when it gets here, I buy or whatever. If you have a process and you learn to, to focus that process in and repeat it day in and day out, and then you learn to trust yourself in that process, the execution piece becomes so much easier to do because you've now trusted your process, you trust yourself, and now you can see it and hit it. And I think like learning to actually go through that, like that painful process sometimes is what a lot of Mm -hmm. us don't do, right? Like we'll have an idea and then we'll kind of like, you know, pussyfoot around it, right? Like we just don't quite execute that trade the way that we really intended to when we came into that area. But when you really start to just go, you know what, I'm going to put my money at risk here in this idea and I'm going to see if it works the way that I thought it would work. And when it starts to work, that confidence that you can build from that is is so valuable and it just builds and it builds and it gives you a filter and a process to start saying, okay, you know, this is paying rent, this isn't paying rent. And when you do see those situations come up, whether it's price action, whether it's tools, whatever it is, then you start to get to that point where you know 
your platform so well, you can just click, 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 click and make your adjustments. And you know your trade idea so well that when you start to see some of the things like, oh, there it is. And boom, you're, mm-hmm. you're already clicking the buttons. And and when you start to see success in that, and there's just the, there's something that clicks from a confidence perspective that really gives you edge that that is, is far, far past, uh, you know, just pattern recognition or some of the things that you can just get from from learning or studying that's all i hope dan's taking notes because <laughs> i'm gonna have to re- revisit that um i'm i'm trying to take notes but sometimes i get distracted by listening <laughs> Shit, Dan, <laughs> you have one job to do one job fuck. <laughs> uh, all right here's another good question um how many different strategies do you guys have that you can draw on in different market conditions or situations from a strategies perspective for at least for me, I'm looking at the same sequence of we'll just call it like studies or same sequence of work mm-hmm. and the patterns uh, and the pattern recognition that those are telling me to either a create a level or you know sort of b create a bias. I, I kind of hate to use the word bias, but like some of the stuff gives you sort of a directional bias mm-hmm. and really it's just a filter of that process. So like, let's say I'm looking at eight different things that might give me a pattern that I want to trade or a setup that I want to trade. If maybe in this current environment, the bullish setups are working much better than potentially like a bearish setup, I'm going to focus more on those and lean into those Mm -hmm. more heavily. But at least currently, there's very few things like I've got one or two things on the stove that I'm, I'm looking at and seeing if potentially it's it will get folded into my daily process, but pretty much at the at the market close, it's it's go do the homework, and the homework is ninety ish percent automated at this juncture, and and the other things that are just going back and kind of studying trades, or you know looking at balance areas and some of the things that you just uh, have to kind of manually do, it it's just the same every every single day, and and for me that that's a huge piece of like let's just keep it the same, do the same homework mm-hmm. so that that way you can kind of filter the information uh, with a clear lens, right? So if, if I'm doing it the same way every single day and all of a sudden one piece of this isn't working anymore, it's pretty easy to isolate the one piece that's not working. Or if one piece is working really well, um, it's much easier to kind of focus on, on those things. Right. Leo? Well, I had a tweet last uh, Saturday and it went something like this. If you want consistent results, you must stick to a consistent process. And there's no way around this changing your process every week or two is detrimental to your success. And what I meant by that was basically what Flurry just kind of outlined is that I see so many people come into the market, you know, thinking that they found the the golden uh, goose or the golden thing. And, you know, they get, they're super confident. They take the trade setups. And then what happens is, whatever they're trading, you know, they go through a a losing streak, right? Mm -hmm. And then in addition to that, that losing streak gets compounded because they're like, oh, I've done all my homework on this setup. Like it's, it's going to work. And so they double down on that, on those trades. And then they lose even more because for whatever reason, they're just going through the normal variance of where that trade setup is. Mm -hmm. And so they get kind of washed out on, a particular strategy and so then they they go to the next you know strategy it's kind of like oh well that didn't work so i'm going to go to the next thing right and so i see a ton of traders that are always trying to go to that next thing right and they don't ever give the initial idea an opportunity to actually work Hmm. and i think that is super detrimental because you're taking you know 
<laughs> something that could work or or has worked and applying that and then because you had you went through some variants uh, on that strategy you know it, you basically threw it away and then said oh i'm going to try something totally new now not to say that you shouldn't be refining what you're looking at or putting additional filters mm-hmm. you know that's something that i do every weekend you know nights like that's what flary and i spend you know, uh, we're up till two and three in the morning, you know, trying to work on like, how can we refine what we have, right? How can we refine through what we're looking at? Mm-hmm. So I think that statement is a whole different concept of, you know, just constantly changing what you're doing and what your trading strategy is during the day. Um, and that goes all the way from, you know, the setups that you're taking to your brackets, to your trade size, to, you know, the markets you're trading, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, when I read this question, I don't think of it as like completely different, like just completely changing your normal setup based on market conditions for for that day. But having just more more tools in the toolkit, I guess you can kind of say like, okay, well, today looks like breakouts are working better than anything else. Kind of like what Flair was saying, I have something else that I can lean on more, and then kind of discard some of the other ones for today at least. Right. Yeah. Um, so I was maybe I went off on a tangent. I wasn't supposed to be on. <laughs> no, no, that was all. That was great stuff. I think I, I, I totally agree with Leo here too, especially for people who are trying to find their footing in a process mm-hmm. or in a strategy. And I'm going to give a shout out to a to a great like up and coming trader who who works super hard at exactly what we're talking about here. And um, so on Twitter, he's at Harbaugh underscore trader, but he focuses on CL predominantly CL and NQ, but he takes everything into account Mm -hmm. his work-life balance is in the fact that like he still works a full-time job and he has aspirations to be a full-time trader so he has times of the day that his regular job will allow him to focus on the markets at the level that he feels that they need to be focused on which you know is is obviously we know a bunch of 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 your attention level right he also factors in like family time and how much time he wants to spend on the screens and then he goes and he takes like just one or two very simple setups. And I mean, this guy is the master of the CL opening range trade. And because, really? huh. because that time frame for when he needs to kind of start his day allows him some peace, uh, you know, from a family perspective, peace from time, from work, mm-hmm. and to be able to focus on that trade. And he understands the nuances of the opening range on the CL open based upon whether we're opening in value, out of value, in range, out of range, all of the factors that he looks at. And, and uh, you know, I think the point is, is that yes, you can have a bunch of different strategies and a bunch of different setups or processes that work, but as you're trying to build a foundation to really like get that confidence to execute and see it hit it uh, on, focusing mm-hmm. on less, like for sure less is more and being the master right. of one or two things and understanding the nuances of the product that you're trading in those one or two setups is infinitely more powerful than trying to sort of like jump from strategy to strategy and, oh, this didn't work. And, and really just understanding what is the expectancy and working some different brackets and just learning the price action around some of those things is, is very powerful. So I, I agree with kind of, the, I think that direction of less is more and, and focus 
focusing on a few things and then just building that playbook, I think is the key. Like you, if you're yes. trying to spread across like 10 different strategies that you're learning from 10 different people, they might all be very successful strategies, but there's no way that you're going to be successful trying to spread yourself and your uh, sort of like brain power and resources around those 10 strategies. Focus on one or two and be the master of those one or two. And if they don't right. fit your personal life, your, and, and, and even more so like the, of your personal life and the time that you have, if you work a full-time job or not, more like your personal, like personality, like, are, are you more risk on? Are you more risk off? Like what kind of trades put you in an uncomfortable situation? Does, does the chop around the opening range just not sit well with you and your decision-making process? Or is that something that you can process quickly? Like, can you think on your feet fast? Can you click the buttons fast mm-hmm. kind of thing? So yeah, I think uh, less is more is just a huge thing. And, and again, like being the master of just like one or two setups is just such a powerful tool when you're just kind of trying to build that playbook. Right. I, I like that mindset too, personally. Uh, learn how to do something really well before trying to add to it. And if nothing else, you'll learn some patience too, which I think <clears throat> most of us could probably do with more of. Because mm-hmm. if you can only, if you're only practicing one, you know, setup, you have to wait for those setups to come and learning discipline and not trying to take stuff just because it looks fun. <laughs> I think a lot of people struggle with that. It's fun though, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Like so a, fun. I'm, I'm flat and this looks like a short trade, right? Yeah. That, and that's all the further you put the thought process in. <laughs> I'm flat and the long didn't work. So let's short it. I just hit it. I don't know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> So how many days do you guys spend um, on your screens actively trading then? Is it is it just a few hours or do you do like full day? Because <laughs> it seems like, you know, you do your trading in the morning and then you jump on the stream and then you stream for, another, for three or four hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'd love to be done by 9.30 or 10.30 every single day. I mean, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. I certainly try to only be managing a trade after say that morning push or the euro close, which is kind of weird now with daylight savings or whatever. But I try not to enter a new trade, especially like a full position type trade in the afternoon. And then I'll come back and 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 sort of like that close or say after one o'clock central for me. But yeah, I mean, if, if, if I can hit a point target or, or just like hit a good sequence that um, I think is sort of expressed the range that I was looking at for the day, uh, and that happens by 9.30 or 10.30, I'll typically switch over and, and you know, focus focus on on our room uh, with Ortofo Labs or, you know, a stream or, you know, just kind of watch the markets and and mm-hmm. sort of see see what I see. But yeah, it, majority of my, like, if I look at my stats, I suck in the afternoon. So I just try to avoid it. I mean, that's a, <laughs> the, the numbers don't lie. They're right there in my face. So uh, as much as I can avoid that, uh, the better. And it's uh, certainly like initiating new trades. So yeah. Man, we're going to run out of time. I got so many of these things. Yeah, right. Let's go. <laughs> speed, speed, speed session. Yeah, we, we have to go quick mode here now. Is there uh, any advantages to using the different types of charts like time, tick, or range? Or is that just more of a preference thing for, for traders? I think whatever helps you visualize the market the best. I've, I've met people that like time-based charts. Uh, mm-hmm. I prefer tick-based charts. I think you can see a little more detail in the market structure. And then I know that you know people like Renko charts or Heikinashi, I think you just got to figure out what you like to see the most. None of the charts work best with the studies work better with the studies than others or is it just the same data either way well so some of the studies are referencing different time frames and for sierra chart you have to have like you know dnd uh charts that that you overlay that to your your actual execution chart but for ninja trader you can put it on any chart because 
the time frame that we're using built into the code. So, okay. Um, but yeah, as far as like our studies, nah. Uh, do you have any tips or tricks for trading outside of regular trading hours, like pre-market or uh, the overnight session, the global? <laughs> Don't skip it. Not worth your time. Unless, unless your stats are, are as good as RTH, just skip it. Uh. <laughs> Uh, do you think the NQ is harder to trade than the ES? Yes and no. When I first started, yes. <laughs> now, no. Uh, but it's a matter <laughs> of, of learning the nuances of the market that you're focused on. I would say the main the main answer to that is it's really hard, at least for me personally, to know the nuances of multiple markets and monitor them at the same time. I can look at ES and see that ES is in the opening range or attempting to break a low a day, which is kind of what happened today, and look at the correlation of where NQ is in that and where that that might put NQ if it kind of pulls down at a sort of like confluent uh, ratio. But yeah, it's it's super, super hard to, to be in tune to multiple markets. So uh, I say NQ. <laughs> and that's just because that's where my focus is 100%. Is it just because it has more volatility and you like that? You like the, the trade to basically be done quicker? Yeah, I mean, one part volatility, one part summer uh, was just a good opportunity to just kind of get into the nuance of NQ. Mm-hmm. And it, it just seemed to be a market that was flowing more towards my style and how how I was kind of seeing the market and some of the studies and, and tools that I was using. So um, NQES are probably right there. Even if, if I wanted, if I switched over to ES, I feel like I would be just as in tune. It's just, um, I think the, the pay me right now-ness of NQ uh, had, it just fits my strategy and my personality <laughs> a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I mean, the liquidity has been tough in NQ lately. I mean, the, the spreads and stuff, it, it's, it's tough. So ES, is, uh, ES has been looking really nice lately and, and how, how thick it's trading. So we'll see. You never know. All right. Let's uh, get a couple more here. Um, one of these, uh, this came from our friend Paul. Uh, he wants to know if uh, you guys view your tools as a supplement to an already successful trading plan, or is it a way to develop a successful trading plan? Would you recommend a trader having a solid foundation before adding the studies, or is this more of a package as a way to get new traders to get in and learn? I would say it's somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's probably a frustrating answer, but I, I tell people that are brand new to trading, don't even sign up because there's no point you have to understand the basic market dynamics like what is a volume profile what is a dom what's the time in sales like some of the basic understanding of how to trade in a futures market uh, with order flow specifically Mm -hmm. i mean if you're just going to trade price action then obviously you don't need any of those things but if you're going to utilize order flow in any any manner, then you need to understand, you know, what those basic mechanisms are. And then I think once you have that understanding, uh, then, you know, some of the concepts and, and stuff that our tools are aiming to show definitely help reduce that learning curve to get you from kind of that, you know, you know a little bit uh, about what you're doing mm-hmm. to you know, you're not necessarily an expert, but you get a much better understanding of how to interpret uh, some of the order flow dynamics. I, I had a follow-up yeah. for, for myself. Uh, what is order flow? Just explain <laughs> that real quick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. What is a DOM? <laughs> What's a volume profile while, while you're at it? But yeah, if you already if you already have a successful strategy, I think we're we're definitely a good complement to that because there's going to be confluence with, you know, what you're already trading. And so 
you know, sometimes if you are looking to gain that extra piece of confluence or confidence and taking those trades, mm-hmm. then, you know, that's definitely going to be beneficial to what, to what you're doing. One of the ways we describe your guys' toolkit is it's almost like having you guys come over and just draw on my charts for me. <laughs> some of that, so that's definitely true in some, <laughs> some aspects. Well, I mean, because uh, I think from the previous conversation we had is that uh, it was more just a way to automate a lot of the work that you guys were already doing. Right, right, right. So the tools aren't necessarily replacing any of that knowledge, but it's just making it, it's taking away time spent doing those drawings and finding those zones and areas of interest and uh, reducing the amount of brain power you need to, to identify those setups, right? 100%. Uh, well, then I guess this last one should follow up kind of nicely with that then. So what would you recommend for new traders as far as books to go to try to get some of this information? Like somebody who wants to to, to be a full-time trader, like where, where would you recommend they start? I think starting with auction theory and and just kind of understanding how the auction moves back and forth, uh, moving from balance to imbalance uh, was was huge for me as far as just kind of like learning the ebbs and flows of markets and understanding value, fair value, things like that. Um, so markets in profile from Dalton would be a good one. Um, mm-hmm. Stottlemyre would be another one kind of in that same area. Yeah, that would probably be my topic and, and just a good place to start market profile. Leo, I think you started with the book, right? Me? Yeah, I wrote it. Yeah, didn't some didn't somebody didn't you tell somebody you wanted to learn and then he gave you a book to read or is that somebody else I'm thinking of? That might have been somebody else. No, that was that was yeah that markets and profile was the first book I read, so I felt like I should oh, okay. I should probably <laughs> I should probably suggest it. But yeah, but, uh, that was my journey. Read a book, come back. I read it in about a day, and um, yeah. still still go back and study that um, all the time. It's just uh, understanding value is huge, and so the auction theory. Uh, it, it's tough to you know you can you can have price action and you can have all the things, but like truly understanding like the way that the market auctions back and forth and and why you might see a reversal or breakouts from areas and things like that, how you move from balance to imbalance, it, it lends itself to really any strategy that you're going to try to deploy later, whether it's just purely market profile and set up space around that and stuff like that, like poor highs, poor lows. But mm-hmm. uh, just understanding that is like a core, I think is a good building block, at least for new traders. Leo? I totally spaced out. I don't even know what the hell you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, books you'd recommend to new traders, uh, somebody who wants to learn how to trade. The classic is Reminiscences of a Stock Operator. I think that's a great book. Uh, it's 400 years mm-hmm. old, but it still has good concepts for sure. Really? Yeah. Is it written in the old English or- it's not 400 years old. I mean, it's like, oh, okay. Hear yeah. he, hear he. <laughs> Never short a trend day. <laughs> I tried to read Canterbury Tales once. If it's going to be like that, then that's not going to happen. No, it's written really well. It's a great book. <laughs> okay, yeah. Sorry, what was the name again? Uh, Reminiscences of a Stock Operator. I just like hearing you say reminiscences. Yeah. <laughs> I can't Can we give that one more time? Reminiscences? Reminiscences. 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 Did I hear a niner in there somewhere? <laughs> Eight ball corner pocket. <laughs> Dan, uh, do you have anything else you want to you wanna touch on here? No, this has been a great time. I'm so glad uh, we had you guys back on. You, you're always a dearth of knowledge. I wouldn't mind making this a regular thing. Get these guys back on. We can keep bringing in questions from some of the traders that we know, maybe having some struggles. Yeah. Nothing like having the ear of an expert to, to kind of share some of that wisdom. Yeah, absolutely. 
appreciate you guys having us on uh, again. We know Flurry likes to talk. Yeah, I mean, I could keep talking and talking. Are you sure we have to stop right now? I mean, yeah. I, that's well, I mean we don't have to, but I figure you guys probably have stuff to do. The recording's cut, and I'm just talking to myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it actually stopped an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed on the edits, it just cuts like sometimes in the middle of my sentence. Can, who do we talk to about that? Is that Kyle or Dan? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Dan would be the one. I've tried editing before. It takes five times as long. That's, that's like Leo and I's relationship. Leo's the editor and, and the producer for that matter. I just look at his videos and say that these look good. <laughs> Speaking of which, man, I, th- I gotta say, I was really surprised to see that um, part of the odor flow is sweet. It's not just the tools that you guys have, but it's all the educational stuff that you guys have put along with it. Yeah. Uh, I guess I was really impressed with that. I didn't, I was not aware of that when I first uh, heard of you like to give, like to make sure people are aware. If you want to learn how to use these tools, they've got a, ton of information on their discord on their youtube channel there's just great information there i appreciate that it take it it's a bunch of hard work especially editing like you said yeah. i can imagine like editing audio is kind of a pain because you have to listen to the whole thing yeah yep yeah <laughs> on the video side at least you know at least you can skip to like you can skip parts because you know what happened <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's still it takes a ton of work just to even put like i did a one hour walkthrough of of you know how to set up a sierra chart you know from the get like from the start Mm -hmm. and that one hour i think it's 45 minutes that 45 minute video probably took me i don't know six hours or seven hours to fully complete from start to finish oh wow you know but that sounds quick (laughs) now you can you know pick up sierra chart and in one hour kind of follow along and, and at least get something basic off the ground. Yeah. But, you know, of course, Sierra chart, they changed their chart settings windows with their latest <laughs> releases. And so none of those videos are good anymore. <laughs> oh man. Oh shit. Oh man. Those bastards. <laughs> Sierra charts being a pain. What's the deal with their, uh, their support group? They're fucking salty (laughs) (laughs) you've been trolled (laughs) yeah there's like definitely two sides to the coin though because if you read their support forums uh long Mm -hmm. enough you'll see their frustration sometimes because people will post some of the some insane questions like my vwap is off can you tell me what's going on without any other context <laughs> like, like, I, no settings they just literally just say oh my vwap doesn't is wrong it's just wrong they don't give you a comparison they just <laughs> i mean they have the most active support forum that i've seen mm-hmm. now i haven't dug around like uh, ninja trader super in-depth but from an active standpoint like they're you know as much as they push back to their customers <laughs> push back is a gentle word um they are salty they are pretty active and and you know attempting to help people and you i think you can see that to a certain degree i've noticed that they're really quick right in their responses yeah. even if that response is to tell you that you're an idiot and that's not possible. <laughs> that's just the way it is <laughs> My favorite one is like, no, that's stupid and we'll never do that. <laughs> why, would, no. why would you ever do that? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, 
All right. <laughs> um, you guys got anything uh, else you want to want to promote here for? You want to tell everybody where to find you? You got any special promotions going on or anything? Maybe. Well, so when we launch on Ninja Trader, it's going to be a big what to do because we've spent so much time working on it, and so we'll have some. I think Flurry is going to be streaming all day on YouTube. That's like super Ooh. easy, right? Because you know how much yeah. Flurry likes to talk. Hours yeah, and, and you don't have hours of talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pop in there every once in a while just to troll him. Yeah. And then we're going to have uh, pretty cool promotions going for new trade, like for people that are coming on new from Ninja, uh, even people mm-hmm. that are existing. So we'll have some something cool for, for people that are already part of the OFL crew. Um, and, you know, might be like a, somebody might win six months of you know, free OFL. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. It's a good prize. But, um, yeah, so we'll definitely have some promotions going on for, for that launch. And I think the store, like the site is actually just going to shut down for a while because the promos are going to be so good that day. We don't want anyone signing up a week, like, like a week beforehand and being like, Oh man, I got totally shafted. Oh, okay. I think the store (laughs) is going to be shut down for a bit. Um, yeah, just as far as like being able to sign up. All right. And that's, uh, orderflowlabs.com. Yes. And then the YouTube channel. Um, I think it's youtube.com under, uh, slash C slash, um, I don't know where, what is it? Orderflow Labs. Yes. Well, I just put a link. Right. <laughs> just what's the channel name? Orderflow Labs. <laughs> Orderflow Labs on YouTube. Oh, sorry, guys. I was something. Yeah, it's just it's just forward slash Orderflow Labs. I'm like, why aren't they listening to me? Talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's just forward slash Orderflow Labs. Uh, all one word. Okay, perfect. All right, we'll have links for for all that in the episode description. All right, thank you guys so much for coming back. Uh, we'll have to schedule another one of these. And also, if you guys aren't uh, doing anything one of these Saturdays here, we're we'll, we'll uh, thinking about starting a shitty movie night with uh, some of our other listeners. <laughs> we did our what first one with yeah. Velocal Pastor. <laughs> we just all watch a stream a movie together. What's a shitty movie night? I think Zombievers is the next one we're going to be doing. Yeah. Here, <laughs> you guys That's come hilarious. to Poker Night and donate to Leo. We'll come to a shitty movie night. <laughs> all right. Uh, I, I, what, what's the buy-in? <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> it's just whatever i'm willing to lose <laughs> don't risk more than you're willing to lose uh, i don't usually play for more than 100 bucks these days we that'll can accommodate work. that yeah that'll work <laughs> probably 20 for somebody who sounds really quick to jump on that <laughs> <laughs> revive well, table one because right. i know people like when you sit down and play poker and you're like oh, i got 100 to lose you really have about 300 right like you're willing right. to like you got 100 you're willing to throw three bullets at it it's literally <laughs> describing my friday last friday <laughs> well, are you guys are you guys playing just regular no limit hold'em or are you guys playing a tournament we've done both like the last friday like last friday we did a cash game um mm-hmm. so it's just like a 10 cent 25 cent blinds i know that sounds super massive but uh, when you're well, playing, it gets massive when, when you're playing online, and yeah, three hours later, it starts to get pretty spicy. Yeah, um, truly, you yeah. know, because you go through so many hands when you're playing on a, on a line game, especially when you got an asshole raising five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you played with Leo before? <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's fun. Like we all get on voice, shoot the shit, uh, listen to music, 
and you know play cards it's it's a good time especially like on a friday to to you know cool off from the week or whatever it's good i'll have to see if i can stay sober long enough (laughs) (laughs) also part of leo's plan Uh, (laughs) (laughs) okay dan you want to wrap us up this has been fantastic thank you guys again can't wait to have you back on but sadly time is finite and we've got to close up shop so thanks for sticking around to the end ladies and gentlemen we'll be coming back at you soon with a regularly scheduled episode uh but until then happy trades bye thanks guys Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.